What's up, my Hanyaks? Welcome back to another episode of the Rambling Viking Podcast. Can I get a Hanyak? There we go. Hope you're PDFG. I'm PDFG. If you're new here, that stands for pretty darn freaking good. We're going to ride the lightning today uh, and find out and take a look at uh, the, the utter and total collapse of our school systems. If you've been with me for a while at all. And it's been a while, so it's, I'm probably overdue on doing an episode where I talk about uh, talk about this. But my views on college have shifted, and so far as I, th- I think college is now a specific niche uh, purpose for people who have who who have a specific path that they are pursuing, and I see it way less necessary as a part of fundamental success in life and. And I definitely don't buy into the you graduate high school, then you go to college. No, no, you graduate high school and you go to work, you go to vocational school, you go to college, or yeah, whatever other options are. You can clean your room. I don't know. Thank you, Jordan Peterson. But, uh, and then recently, obviously, with all the CRT stuff, I talked about, uh, I've done an episode about that, about CRT in the schools, and there's all this back and forth of it's not CRT. Um, uh, but it's like, okay, well, call it whatever you want to call it. I disagree with what is being taught and the curriculum being used. I think it's wrong in so many ways, you know? And it's, oh, fine, critical race praxis, or they are ideas that are branched out from CRT, but they ultimately that's where they come from, right? That's not what we're here to talk about. So, and this week has been a particularly, or last week, I should say, has been a particularly fun, uh, if you want to use that word, wild <laughs> week. When, uh, in terms of news, I saw, I, and I wasn't planning on this episode up until I saw the top article, the article at the top of this episode that we are going to do top of top means beginning at the client. Mm, we're going to say at the high point of this episode that I, that, uh, that just, that I was like, yep, nope, that's it. And then I, and then I, there was a couple other articles I saw and I was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to be talking about, I was like, I, how can we not talk about this? We are full, we've come full circle. We have fashion cycled our way into 1955, but in terms of certain school policies. And uh, if you haven't heard about it already, don't worry. I will give you a lay scoop on it right here, right meow. So the Daily Wire has a fun ongoing uh, weekly article that it it entitled in education insanity top 10 stories of the week and they are on volume 28 so it's it's it revolves around the education system is this grifting on my part i don't know i'm not part of the daily wire but you can go here and find it yourself but who likes to read and uh i'm obviously gonna give all my opinions on it i just use them as kind of a source but anyways and so they they update it weekly, and they give you your top 10 crazy news stories. And so I'm going to peruse through that, and then I've picked out, I've handpicked three of the stories that intrigued me or that I came across before I looked at this, and we're going to do a deeper dive into those stories and, and talk about how more and more it looks like when I eventually have kids in school, I'm either going to be very picky about what private school I send them to, or I am just going to straight up homeschool them because there is no chance in, no chance I am sending them to these government indoctrination factories known as our elementary schools because they have gotten out of hand. It's, it's redonkulous. But, all right, let's dive into it. Some of these, though, are, are kind of more uh, lighthearted and funny. 
Like number ten, University of Wisconsin Madison. By the way, links in the description. Professor vows to fight the patriarchy. So, by refusing to wear a bra. Um, it's a gender and women's studies professor. She promised she would stop wearing a bra to work, citing the male policing of women's bodies. It's harder on my body and expensive AF. She said. Oh, tweeted. Thank goodness. I'm glad she didn't say AF like I just did. Some students think my, my, whoa, don't sag. Is that, is that a, so, sorry, sidetrack. In terms of bleeping, is that something I should bleep editing me? Should I have bleeped that? This is editing you. Yes, you should bleep that word. And don't worry, I took care of it. Oh man, that's, this is hilarious. But uh, to her, I say, thank you. I have no idea what this professor looks like and if she would be considered an attractive professor to, say, the male students. But I'm sure if they're in any way, shape, or form she is, the male students are thanking you and cheering you along in this endeavor. We're just going to go ahead and move on. Number nine, University of Michigan mandates face masks following vaccine requirements. Surprise, surprise. This one comes from the Daily Wire. And they so they pull these stories not from... Uh, that first one's from the College Fix. This one's from the Daily Wire. So the University of Michigan system announced that students and faculty will be required to wear face masks indoors, despite mandating that all students and faculty get vaccinated against coronavirus. The only exception to this rule will be for vaccinated students who live on campus. Vaccinated on-campus students do not have to wear masks in their dorm rooms or shared facilities. Hello, folks. It has been long overdue for any of you who have not realized this is more about control and less about actual real safety from any and, and actual mit- risk mitigating factors. Because now what you're seeing is you're seeing the coupling of vaccination and mask. It, 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 and the problem that why this creates more vaccine hesitant hesitancy. I'm not, I'm simply explaining what I think the, the, the continual vaccine hesitancy, 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 no, hesitancy, jeez, I can't say this word, hesitancy uh, comes from. And it probably stems from the fact that when vaccines were first becoming a thing for this, they was sold as, hey, you know, go back to normal. We get a vaccination rolled out. It's successful. We get a certain number of population. We get pe- start getting people vaccinated, namely the vulnerable, a.k.a. the elderly and immunocompromised. So, I mean, which was done way early. But you get to go back to normal. It means no masks, no social distancing, and you can go public places again. We'll have school back in person. And now what are we seeing? They say, oh, wait, you know what? You still need your mask because surprise, surprise, just at the right time, the Delta variant swooped in like Superman, more like the villainous Superman, to say, uh... I'm more contagious and oh, oh, and now too where it wasn't, it was, it was more of a lie by omission than a, than a overt false, uh, account when it came to the vaccine, it was kind of an understood, at least the way it was pitched was the the vaccine would keep you from getting sick. And now people are qualifying it saying, and this is true. And I agree with this is that no, the vaccine doesn't keep you from getting it, the vaccine keeps you from getting it severely and having any severe repercussions. And, oh, yeah, you can still transmit it. And so they just kind of wait. It's it's kind of like when you play a game. We, we've all been there, right? We play a game with our friend, and maybe we're the ones leading the game because, or, or they are, and then all of a sudden they start to lose, and then they, they were like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, you can do this, and there, there's this rule too. And so they do the move, but they did the move first, 
or implemented the rule in some way, and that caused them to have an advantage for that moment. You're like, why didn't you tell me about that rule at the beginning? Like, why why are we not telling about this at the beginning? And so now we see this nonsense where it's like, oh yeah, you're actually you still need to wear a mask, even though uh, masking was seemingly what jury's really out for me on masking as far as its efficacy overall because we had mask mandates those don't really slow the spread at all uh, even with a great mask compliance you still see it spreading and there's a whole bunch of stuff on that where well, that's not one of the articles we're going to go into but uh congratulations about control number eight lawsuit alleges kentucky med student expelled for anti-abortion views this is from fox news so at the university of louisville uh there was a medical student, Austin Clark. He filed a lawsuit recently claiming school expelled him for his pro-life views. The lawsuit alleges that university's president, Neely Bundapudi, Bundapudi, I don't know, I bought, I botchered that name, and 13 other staff members condoned demeaning and harassing behavior of Clark. I actually read that one. I'd recommend reading that one. It's pretty interesting. As someone who definitely follows pro-life, it brings up a good question. As... As views change and science becomes more of a religious cult-like or, or dogmatic ideology than an actual process of truth-finding and observation, we, we, start, we start, to, start to bring up questions for me. Uh, oh, if you could a medical student be kicked out of medical school because guess what? They don't agree with the narrative and seems to be true, at least in that sense. Number seven, third grade lesson on Virginia State Education website appears to glorify communism. Wish I was surprised. Okay, so can confirm that little uh, dog noises you heard in the background. Everyone is okay. They were playing, and Val got a little bit scared. She's a smaller dog, but everyone's okay. She likes to be dramatic and get a little yelpy. So just wanted to throw that in there before I get reported to freaking Peter or something crazy and or animal welfare. He's abusing his animals. Like that one chick who was making the video, and then she wasn't recording yet, and she smacked the piss out of her Doberman and everyone got all pissed off and she spit on it and stuff and it was yeah it was bad I remember that um oh a typo written lesson plan for, for a website registered to the Virginia Department of Education encourages third graders to learn about how police allegedly hate black men yep over that all right and, and I know you're sitting there going how okay how are we skipping over all these stories you know there's so there's so much to choose from the the <laughs> the crops Wow, is plentiful here, man. I mean, the field is full, and uh, it, the crops are ready for harvest. I'm botching this statement right now. Like, there's just so many to choose from. How do you pick just three? I know. Believe me, I ask myself. I ask. I ask myself that same question after each of these one, each of these headlines that I've read. All right, and here we go to our first winner. Number six, Colorado school district instructs teachers to avoid informing parents if their child shows persistent gender confusion. So this one basically is Jefferson County Public School District, and they're the second largest school district in Colorado. They're instructing teachers not to inform parents if their child shows persistent signs of gender, gender confusion. The instructions were given to teachers in a Toolkit for supporting transgender and gender expansive slash non-conforming students. So, yes, my joke I made earlier about the indoctrination factories of the state. Yeah, and this is this is one of those stories where, look, I don't live in Colorado, I don't live in the school district, but if it's happening there, it doesn't there's there's no reason why it won't happen elsewhere. And so uh yeah, here we go. Now it 
it is now basically you could treat a teacher could treat their kid as transgender. Um, a kid is transgender or non-binary, whatever they want to be, and and uh, they don't have to inform the parents. Now, last I checked, the kids belong to the parents. Uh, to to use to use language that insinuates ownership because yes they are the they are the guardians they are the creators in a lot of ways not unless they're adopted of course but they like the childs are children are under your care you have authority over them they are minors first of all and that's a discussion I know a point I brought up many 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 times kids should not be able to make these permanent uh, transgender decisions until they are no longer minors uh, at the very least I think it should be like okay maybe if you're 16 or 17 you could if the parents bought in that's maybe a different conversation but even then i would be hesitant uh but as far as like this is in you know this is elementary schools right so (laughs) yeah they okay and so they they differentiate between gender identity and gender expression set and sex assigned at birth and who people are emotionally attracted to so one parent reached out to the Daily Wire, and that's how they got. Um, so okay, I'm sorry. Qualifier: if the if if the child is 11 or older. So 11 is the new age in which you can make autonomous decisions about your gender identity or gender expression because you are fully developed and and can grasp those concepts to their fullest and and completely understand what that means. Obviously, I mean at 11, shoot, I was I started doing my parents' taxes. I um, joined different civics clubs as a young professional. I mean, shoot, I was even, I even passed my driving exam and was driving around. I mean, I know we all work cause that's, that's how 11 year olds work. Uh, so if school staff believe that a gender identity or expression issue is presenting itself and creating difficulty for the child at school, approaching parents, guardians about the issue is appropriate at the elementary level. The guide reads good, good. Okay. I will I will walk back what that headline made me think and say look it's it's better it's it's not totally it's not totally foobar uh, look up what that means if you don't know what it means but it's borderline foobar still um, the guide reads together the family and school can then identify appropriate steps to support the student so this brings up a great question that I know I've brought up before where it's like look we send our kids to school to get the fundamentals of an education read write math science, all that good stuff to, to understand those basic concepts. However, as the parents, you are, you are in charge of ultimately raising this child. Meaning, so that's like 10% of, of growing up is what I would say is, is just learning, uh, just a very, very basic education. And then 90% is just learning how to be a human, how to be a good person, how to grow up, how to be social, what, you know, learn your values, what's right and wrong, those sort of things. And that falls just as much, if, if not more, on the parents than it does in the school. And so any cases where I see that the school is able to withhold personal, very personal, and what I would ultimately deem like private, intimate, emotional knowledge, and this is, we can don't for anyone thinking what about abuse and it's like that's a that is its own category and we are not talking about and i would actually argue that transitioning young children is child abuse texas just had a ruling on that and but anyways is it 
But anytime you find yourself in that situation, that is a problem because the schools are run by the state. And so the state is there to monitor. Now, the problem that we see is where people are pushing. If you don't, if you don't conform to a, say, 10 year olds, gender identity, or in this case, 11 year olders, gender identity or gender expression, that is a form of emotional child abuse. And so they're trying to move the goalposts and change the rules so that then they can have reason to raise your kids, indoctrinate your kids. And actually, they're no longer your kids. And that's what this is expressing here, this article. So let's, let's move on. In some cases, notifying the parents, guardians uh, carries risks for the students, such as being kicked out of the home. Yeah. At don't worry at 11 years old, people kicking. I'm sure there's cases, but exceedingly rare. Your 11 year old comes home and says, I'm a girl named Sally. And you're like, no, Jack, you, you're a boy. And you know, he's maybe distraught and there's maybe some stress, but you're not going to say, sorry, Jack, uh, hit the, hit the road, hit the road, Jack, no, hit, hit the road. Um, you're kicked out of my house. I'm not going to have that in my house. He's 11. Anyways, prior to notification of any parent or guardian regarding the transition process, school staff should work closely with the student to assess the degree, if any. See, because school staff are psychologists and the counselors who should be helping to emotionally shape, a fund- be the fundamental driver for the emotional and mental shaping of the children. Wrong. That is the parents. So that's the degree, if any, the parent guardian will be involved in the process and must consider. So hold on to assess the degree, if any. So they're assessing the degree that the parent. I'm going to quit doing parent guardian. This is annoying to say. Will be involved in the process and must consider the health, well-being, and safety of the student in transition. So here we go. Children are autonomous agents that can act on their own and what they say goes and is fact because that's how we know kids work. So the guide also insists that asking girls to wear dresses and men to wear ties during a choir concert exasperated unnecessary gender differences. Sure, whatever. At this point, I, I could care less about what they have to wear. Suggestions for eliminating gender roles inquire including identifying students by their voice part instead of boys and girls. All right, and lunacy continues. The guide reads, do girls really need to wear dresses? Do boys really need to wear ties? These are some deeper philosophical questions we can get into when we talk about the social constructs and norms in our society that differentiate men from women. But however, that is the world that we live in. And for sake of small children, I would say, yes, you bring them up in the foundation of norms and facts. And then if they start to deviate from certain ones in certain ways as they get older, you deal with that as it comes. But when you're 9, 10, 11, 12, like once you get in your teens, first of all, adolescence is already confusing enough. We don't need to make it more vague and confusing. We'll continue though. Reduce or eliminate the practice of segregating students by gender. In situations where students are segregated by gender, such as for health education classes, students should be included in the group that corresponds to their gender identity. No, they shouldn't, the guide read, because this will only confuse them further. In the case of a school activity like, say, Girls Chorus, the school should consider regrouping, naming the groups according to a voice part, sopranos and altos, tenors and basses. I, that's sort of fine because girls develop faster than boys, and so like at 12, a lot of times girls could have deeper voices than a lot of the boys who are undeveloped because they're... Um, you know, certain the puberty hasn't happened, uh, rather than, um, so I could, 
sort of kind of get that, but I think it's still important to be like boys and girls, like if whatever. You can have boy altos and it's fine. This may also affect something like the choir dress code and how we might create a more inclusive space for multiple gender expressions. You mean the two gender expressions. And uh, I don't I don't see how we're being exclusionary here because uh, I've just come back to the fact that kids are not autonomous agents that don't fully understand that. For example, my younger sister, sorry if you listen to this, when she was little, 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 like a toddler, she would say silly stuff like, remember when I was a boy? And we would go, you were never a boy, ha, 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 and move on. And sometimes she would insist, yeah, I was. And we're like, no, you weren't. This isn't a thing. And I, like, I've hung out with so many kids, and I, I understand they can literally make up the craziest stuff on the spot or you can convince them of, uh, you might hear the dog scrapping again in the living room. I promise they're fine. You, you might, they make up the craziest things or you can convince them of the craziest things. And, the, and they're so malleable, so malleable that we cannot take what they say as absolute truth and, and, and be too eager to validate whatever they're, they're asserting because we are the adults and we are the parents and we are there to help shape them and show them this is what the world is. Other guidance in, includes allowing a transgender student to use the restroom and locker room that corresponds with the student's gender identity consistently asserted at school. Keep in mind, this is for 11 and up. As young as 11, we could have that happening. Now, you, most people at 11, you don't see uh, the sort of bodily differences completely start to flesh themselves out. Sometimes in girls, you can see it start to form. I believe this is highly dangerous. But anyways, transgender students will also be assigned to share overnight accommodations with other students that share the student's gender identity consistently asserted at school and play in sports that match his or her gender identity. Uh, and of course, the county did not respond to the Daily Wire's request for comments. But as I said before, this is complete and psychotic lunacy that the schools are helping develop, you know, how your where the, the school is getting outside of its purview is what I'm saying. You are here to teach my child. And now if you do notice certain things with my child, whether it could be maybe potentially ADAD, ADHD, the first thing you do is you consult the parent, you give a full report, you're completely transparent, and yes, you can work alongside the parent. The parents are the primary they, they should be leading this charge on handling this situation though. It should not be the school. Specifically with this. And I can tell you right now, I would borderline burn, be willing to burn down a school if I found out, with no kids in it, if I found out that, say, my child was going there and, and be basically being convinced that, um, that he, well, he'll be a boy, that, he, that he's actually a girl and teacher's using a different name and I was not in the loop. Um, I would it, would, it would be hell to pay for me. And... Uh, if that ever happens, it will be like, and it, and it's not like I'm borderline going to jail for that happening. You're not going to mess with my kids and I don't even have kids yet. And I'm already, and I'm already this fired up about, about my, about people potentially messing with my kids. And like, I haven't even gotten to experience, um, having them. So here we go. All right. We're going to keep moving on though. Number five, university of Wisconsin moves Chamberlain Rock, seen as symbol of racism. Need I say more? Rocks are racist. Specific rocks, especially. So they, it's a 70-ton boulder. 
Um, and this is they 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 opted to move it after the university's black student union and other racial justice activists complained it was a racist monument. They said the rock had racist roots. Oh, you mean like race, like Planned Parenthood? Ooh. In the 1920s, a journalist once used a racist slur to describe the boulder. So the rocks, the so that makes the rock racist. Then racist by proxy, because a journalist once described this inanimate object using a racist slur. Then this rock, ergo, is racist. Interesting. I'm sorry. I, we are too privileged here, and especially on the, these people on the call, they got nothing better to do than to dig up a random comment from the 1920s about his giant boulder on their campus to say it is racist. Go find a hobby. I tweeted this the other day. I was like, if you find yourself like in these moments and, and that's your outrage, that's your serious systemic problem or your big problem with your complaint with society at large, Go find a real hobby. Take up woodwork. Something semi-productive, please, because this is the opposite of productivity. All right, number four. Uh, School board member, maskless kids will commit murder. Here we go with the continuing rhetoric of, and this, and you know, this only reinforces people who already don't want to mask. When you start painting them as murderers, and uh, because, so if I had a kid in school right now, guess what? I'd be like, you don't, you're not wearing a mask. You're not at serious risk. Uh, we know this. Kids are not. Um, the Delta variant, sure, is affecting kids more than it was. But the problem is it was, it was virtually non-existent in kids. Uh, the original version was. And now the sequel is a little bit more involved, but still not serious risk at all. And guess what? Teachers being vaccinated. Boom, bada bing, bada boom. We're fine. All right. So, oh, this is in Oklahoma. Why did I not cover this one? Art. Oh, I didn't even realize. Okay, Linda Sexton, a school board member in a public school district in Norman, Oklahoma. Oh, gosh. Said that kids will, quote unquote, commit murder if they refuse to wear masks indoors. You psychopath. Norman, Norman is a... Norman is like a miniature Austin in a lot of ways when it comes to their public policy. If you don't know. It's just not okay for kids to commit murder by coming to school without a mask. Jeez, that is such charged language psychopath sexton said she continued to say that massless children will cause the death of another child this is absolutely baseless found in no facts or data whatsoever and is simply what is it all about again kids say it loud control that's what it's all about here it's all they're trying to do it's just about control and then fear-mongering golly no thank you yeah i'm oh i'm getting I know you can I know you elect your school board, but man, I would find a way to fire her. Looks like I won't ever send my kids to school in Norman. Alright. Number three. This one, this one's great. And this is another one of our deeper dive ones. This is one we're actually gonna uh, delve into real deep like. Nope. I hated that sentence. I'm sorry to everyone. I'm gonna say a quick prayer and ask for forgiveness on that one. That was brutal. Oh, my mouth betrayed me. All right. Governor Kate Brown signed law to allow Oregon students to graduate without proving they can write or do math. You heard that correctly. They do not have to meet the proficiency standards formerly required for, you know, graduating high school because the point of school is to get you to a certain standard or or let's say literacy rate, a certain competency and and you test and you prove that, hey, I'm this competent, and they say, bada bing, bada boom, you're out of school. That's no longer part of the standard, so now it's completely arbitrary, basically. All right, let's jump into it then. 
So Oregon's Governor Kate Brown, she signed a bill last month suspending proficiency requirements for high school graduates for the next five years. Brown quietly signed into law a bill suspending her state's proficiency requirements on July 14th. They're expected to go without proficiency standards for high school graduates until new rules are crafted and implemented in 2024. They, these new rules will not likely apply to high school graduates until 2027, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> So the, the governor's office, and so you know things are sketchy when people do stuff very, very quietly and don't want to publicly announce it. Like anytime they're trying to kind of sweep it under the rug, that's when you should get skeptical, all right? You should say, oh, why are we doing this? Governor's office did not announce her signing of the bill in a signing ceremony, nor in a press release. The signed bill did not appear in legislative database as signed until July 29th. So almost, that's almost two weeks before, after being signed that it was announced. A spokesperson for the governor said that suspending proficiency requirements would aid the state's minority students. Right, because then not being competent now proves to help you succeed in life and not being assessed as, are you competent or not? So here, we'll just read the quote. Oregon's black, Latino, Latina, Latinx, indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander, tribal, and students of color, or as I like to say, everybody except the white kids. Um, <laughs> because honestly, at this point, with, with those sort of statements, where they try and be completely inclusive and identify every single specific community, as they, put, as they group them, um, ultimately what it's culminated to now. So, you know, it used to be like black and Latino and now, you know, they, and the black Latino indigenous people. And now it's like, the, it's just saying, it's like the LGBT thing. It's just grown and grown and grown. And it eventually gets to the point where you, you start to look at this and you say, okay, so actually you, the list is so long. Who are we excluding? And then when you break it down, like with this one, it's literally, Everyone but the white kids. <laughs> so, um, like, I just, I just imagine going over a loudspeaker and be like, um, "Everyone but the white kids, please come to the cafeteria for a special meeting for the Black, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Indigenous, Asian, oh, sorry, Indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander, Tribal, and students of color." So that's everyone but the white kids. If you are white, please remain seated. Put your hands uh, in behind your head, and we will have student. Uh, compliance officers by to handcuff you shortly. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why the handcuff thing came in, uh, but they stand to benefit from the legislation. Brown's deputy communications director, Charles Boyle told the Oregonian in a statement, leaders from those communities have advocated time and again for equitable graduation standards, along with expanding learning opportunities and supports. So here, once again, the fun buzzword of the year, equitable. So we are being equitable, meaning everyone is equally incompetent to proceed out of high school. So your diploma no longer means anything. So the Babylon Bee on their weekly news episode recently, they covered this story and they had some hilarious takes on it. I'm not going to hopefully repeat any of them. I've already kind of hinted at some of them. It's hard to have your own thoughts after you hear a good comedic bit about something. And it's like, no, that is the funny thing about this. That is the funny angle. And I found myself just being pigeonholed about it. So I want to make sure I'm not grifting. Uh, apparently, this is a brand new phobia or fear of mine that I'm just a grifter here. But I feel like I have my own thoughts. You tell me. Five star view email voicemail, text, you know. Anyways, so interesting, right? Uh, so the leaders of the community say, so when you look and here we see soft, 
bigotry of low expectations reaching its final form in a lot of ways. Basically saying like, look, you can't read or write or do math at, at, at the, your grade level. Uh, but so we don't want to oppress you anymore by trying to make you stay and figure that out. We're just going to send you on through and say, you know what? You are good enough. We're being oppressive. We're being racist. We're, we are the problem, which honestly, I may agree with that statement in the sense of if you, for some reason, uh, cannot properly teach these kids then, and, and, and get them to a point where they are proficient and can meet the standards, then yes, but not in the sense of you're actively making sure they don't teach. So here's the fun, you know, nonsensical arguments to really, I see it as only hurting these communities more because these communities are underserved as is and underperform, sorry, not underserved, underperforming as is. How is then taking away all standards going to be like, ah, like you can't just pretend that someone's doing the right thing. This isn't, this isn't my, my, this isn't like, a three-year-old kid who brings you a drawing that scribbles and says, it's our family. And you say, that's beautiful, honey. And you put it up on there cause she's three and you want to make her feel good. Right? No, these are high school students that there's an objective standard where you're not going to do that with a 15 year old who says it's me and you. And it's like, you just scribbled on this piece of paper. We're like, what is this? Is this abstract and try and explain it more. But a three-year-old who has very little motor skills and their brain is still very, very just developing. I mean, they barely, they've only been walking for maybe a year and a half or two, talking for the same amount of time. Like, no. And here we go. So, Oregon's proficiency requirements mandate that all high school graduates demonstrate a roughly 10th grade. So, we don't even have to, this is the funny thing. You don't even have to, you already don't even have to have a 12th grade uh, level competence in reading, writing, and math. Right now, so you only, at, at 10th grade, you can graduate. Uh, by their current standards. Those standards were first suspended last year, mid COVID-19. No surprise there because uh, online school is a failure. Bill passed through legislature, largely on partisan lines. Surprise. And I just, I'm I, at this point, I heard something awesome today and it was, he was talking about, he's like, you know, our measures of intelligence and how we view intelligence is skewed. He goes, just because someone has a high level of like processing power and, and maybe articulation. And, and I firmly believe this too. I've, I've said this before is that like, you can just because yeah, your, your functioning is, is, is really high level. Like it's like, just because you're, you know, maybe let's say, let's say just like biologically, you're kind of built like a Ferrari, right? But the driver is a chimpanzee, guess what? You are no better off than me in my stick shift Honda Civic. I would still put money that I could win a race because I'm not even sure that car could drive straight, much less figure out how to drive. And it's just, and and so not to insult people and say like, oh, their functioning power is really high, but they are just the dumbest. No, it's just that intelligence is being able to, I think, understand, completely understand the world and, and how ideas interact through our world and in a practical sense too, not just the abstract because basically I always say people can reason themselves into anything. People can make, I've heard great arguments for horrible things. Like you can ultimately kind of find yourself making an argument for something just because you can make a coherent sound argument. And this might sound stupid, but does not mean that what you are espousing is a good idea. All right, because you can convince people of horrible, horrible things. I'm not going to point to obvious examples. There's a there's a cliche example that, and plenty of cliche examples that I'm I'm tired of always bringing up because everyone always brings them up. So we'll continue reading this article though. 
The, the Oregon education system has recently increased its efforts to fight, here we go, racism with Oregon high schools and education standards because they are racist. I mean, at least they're acknowledging their racism, that they are the racists, you know, the Democrats. Anyways, in February, the Oregon Department of Education sent out a guide to educators that claim that asking students to show their work is an example of white supremacy because showing, being able to validate your processes is somehow... Uh, um, a modality of saying that the whites are the superior race. Sure. White supremacy culture infiltrates math classrooms and everyday teacher actions, the guide said. Coupled with the beliefs that underlie these actions, they perpetuate educational harm on black, Latinx, fake word, and multilingual students, denying them full access to the world of math- mathematics. Because saying 2 plus 2 is 4 is not fully the world of mathematics. You are closing them off with your inherent oppressive whiteness. By teaching them the multiplication tables, and they do not un- they do not get the full benefit of being able to to be open to the full the fullness of the world of mathematics. All right, whatever. The guide claimed that respect for the written word is a hallmark of white supremacy. Respect for the written. At this point, we're just slapping bumper stickers on everything that it'll, they'll stick to. Really, the guide is also claim. Guide also claimed that asking students to show their work is a crutch teachers use to avoid understanding how, how their students are thinking. Except it's the exact opposite. Do we live in 1984 right now? That is literally the exact opposite. You show your work because showing your work is showing you, here's my thought process-y process. I did, I had this equation and here's what I did first. And here's how the equation changed. And then here's the next step I did. And here's how the equation changed. And then here's how I get to my answer. If you don't show your work, I do not understand and cannot necessarily verify that you did the work to go from point A, from from the start to the finish of starting the equation, starting with a problem and getting an answer at the end. This is psychotic and totally backwards. Like how else do I show what? Huh? Your avoid understanding, these, these people have smarted themselves so stupid. Uh, the guide also warned educators against making answers as right and wrong. Oh, you, except you mean in the objective world, 2 plus 2 is 5 is a wrong answer? And 2 plus 2 is 4 is the right answer? Because that's how it is? In subjects such as mathematics, saying that such claims of objectivity are white supremacists, the bumper sticker culture continues. The concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false. No, I would say I would say you're unequivocally false and wrong. And teaching it is even much less so, the guide reads. Upholding the idea there are always right and wrong answers perpetuate objectivity. Good. I want objectivity. Because there are objective standards and truths in this world. And the abandoning of that is going to be the downfall of our society. I mean, we're seeing it right now. It's a devolving into pure postmodern relativism. And it's, it's not good. We have to have some sort of objective standards. I mean, we just came out of the Olympics and that's what that had. All right. So Oregon, never going to move there or send my kids to school there at least. Because they are completely psychotic and out of their minds. Now... If that wasn't, here's the funny thing. That's not even the last story. It's not even the craziest story. We're, we're getting to the craziest story. And it's wild, all right? Um, <laughs> and so the fact that that wasn't even the craziest story in this episode shows, I think proves my point of why I felt, I was like, look, we got to sit down and, and lay this out here because this is wild. All right, number two. 
Atlanta Public School told Catholic couple to remove child from district if they want to avoid LGBTQ plus issues in kindergarten. Yes, that is correct. It's kindergarten. An Atlantic Public Elementary School principal told a Catholic couple their child would need to leave the district to avoid learning about alphabet issues. At the age of five, the couple obtained a copy of their child's incoming teacher's Amazon classroom wish list, which included a slew of alphabet books. Many of the books reference sexual orientation, transgenderism, and progressive ideology. Still don't think our schools are uh, overtly becoming indoctrination factories instead of just teaching uh, the basic, uh, basics of education and teaching, I don't know, kids how to think. Think our education system isn't in utter collapse and dismay right now? Do you still think we just, oh, we just need to pump more money into it? At this point, I would say defund our education system so people can rethink what they're doing. I will say this. At least they had the decency to be like, hey, we know your cat. I actually, I actually, so while looking at the crazy part of this, that they're throwing LGBTQ plus or AK, as I say, alphabet, it's just way easier to say. And at this point we're using like a quarter of the alphabet to, and, and we've already talked about this, but they, <laughs> you know, it, I, I, we could focus in on the fact that they're, teaching these to freaking kindergartners who barely can function. Like you just learned how to use the toilet and not, you're probably, you could still be struggling with wetting the bed. These are basic functions of humanity that, and so how are you supposed to grasp sexual sexual orientation, transgenderism and progressive ideology in at large? You're not, you're five. There are so many things that you don't need to worry about. And all of these are, are those, but I will say this, this, I actually liked this headline only because they're saying it's it's full transparency and being upfront and saying, hey, uh, so we know that this may be in conflict with your fundamental beliefs and values uh, for your kids. So you're going to want to pull your kid out of the school if you don't want them to have to deal with that. And so this I love o- opposite of what the, the Colorado district did was like, look, we're going to turn your kids transient. We're going to we're going to transition your kid, let your kids transition and affirm that and we'll decide if you need to be included in that. This one is saying, hey, yo, if you don't want this, get out. And I can appreciate and respect that. So that I'm actually like, I'm saying good job here to the Atlanta public school in, in just telling them because I, I put myself in that shoes cause I'm not Catholic, but I'm Christian. And so I would say that if they want to, um, if they, if they're going to do this, like I, I would see myself in the same position where it's like, I, I would rather just know up front and be like, Oh, this is what we're doing. Yeah. We're going to homeschool you or, you know, we'll go find another school. And so good job. Yeah. Overall good. All right. On to the bell of the ball. The number one story of the week, according to daily wires, weekly education insanity stuff. And definitely my number one story. I don't know of the year right now in terms of schools. Here we go. You ready for this quagmire black parent outraged after learning Atlanta elementary school. And I'm, I'm inserting this via their black principal segregated classes by race. Yep. You heard that right. Full blown. And the picture, I love it. The picture used here is, is of two signs, a white and a colored sign, because that is full blown what we see here. So let's just dive into it before I start giving too much commentary on it. Black mother, Keila Posey, Kyla. Oh, I don't know. K I L A. I never know anymore. I'm gonna, we'll go with Kyla, was outraged after learning that her child's Atlanta public school was segregating classrooms based on race. Yep, you heard it right. And this is that fashion cycle I mentioned earlier where segregation is back. I did an episode 15, 20 episodes ago where I was like, segregation is back because they were doing segregated uh, 
graduation ceremonies in some colleges to be inclusive to the communities. So by being exclusive and dividing by communities, anyways, but specifically race and ethnic <laughs> identifiers. And this one just takes the cake because this is straight up pre-Brown versus Board of Education. Straight up. According to a report from WSB-TV Atlanta, Posey uncovered that the school's principal was segregating classes based on race when she insisted that her child be moved to a different classroom. The principal, Sharon Briscoe, a black woman, told Posey that her child would be isolated in the desired classroom because it wasn't a black class. And see, this is, this, this, this is where when you hyper-focus on race, you actually turn into a racist, right? And... Uh, and, and, and we see that unfolding here. The principal said, that's not one of the black classes. That is a quote! Oh, sorry. That is a quote! I spooked the dog there, almost killed her. Uh, <laughs> that's not one of the... It says that, and I think this is over the phone. Straight-faced, monotone, just like, oh, that's not one of the black classes. Be like, oh, excuse me, hi, yes. So, my daughter, I actually wanted to have Miss is uh, Miss Carrie instead of Miss um, Miss... Miss Johnson, and so if we could just, I want, I want to get her in that class. Oh, she would be isolated because that's one of the black classes. Excuse me? And, and I immediately said, what does that mean? This is the parent again, sorry. I was confused, Posey told the local news outlet. I asked for more clarification. I was like, we have those in this school? Like, I would be too, honestly. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I, is, is, are you a time traveler? Am I talking to 1950? Am I talking to pre-Brown versus Board of Education? What's going on? And she proceeded to say that, yes, I have decided that I'm going to place all of the black students in two classes. Posey claims the elementary school created eight classes, two for black students, six for the white students. We've lost sleep trying to figure it out. Like, why would a person do this? Exactly, because I thought we moved on from this, I don't know, 60-something odd years ago. First, it was just disbelief that I was having this conversation in 2020, not 1960, with a person that looks just like me, a black woman, Posey said. It's segregating classrooms. You cannot segregate classrooms. You can't do it. Sorry, I'm probably putting some of my own personal emphasis and passion in here, but absolutely right. <laughs> and the mother also called the practice illegal and unethical, both absolutely true because it is illegal <laughs> brown versus board of education set that precedent and or at least i don't look i may be botching this a little bit botching this no i'm not i i know but the sent it was you couldn't separate them by school but it but it said that segregation was not legal was not constitutional posey has since filed a discrimination complaint with the u.s department of education's office of civil rights that is such a long name why are all these names so long her complaint argues that the school violated Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which claims that no person in the United States shall, on the ground of race, color, or national origin, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits, or be subjected to discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. I would say you broke that pretty clearly. The fate of discrimination the fate of a discrimination complaint of this nature remains unclear, given that it was turned in to President Joe Biden's Department of Education. This is true. They may agree that the black kids don't want to be subject to the white supremacy kids, white supremacy of the white kids, so they need to be separated. Positive discrimination, positive racial, positive racism, right? That's what that is. The Senate Education Committee has held hearings with Biden's nominee to lead the Office of Civil Rights, Catherine Lahman, 
During her hearing, Lahman refused to answer whether it would be a violation of Title VI to ascribe character traits, values, moral, and ethical codes, privileges, status, or beliefs to a race or to an individual solely because of his or her race. Wild. So that's, that's, that's one of those no-comment moments where you're like, yep, they're guilty. Anyways, guilt by uh, omission, <laughs> really. The Biden Education Department has similarly reversed course on a Trump error ruling that found racial affinity groups to be a form of segregation. Racial affinity groups, which could be used to justify racially segregated classes, separate students and staff by race in hopes of giving black people a safe space to discuss their experience with racism while providing a separate space for white people to learn about their white privilege and how bad they are. Under I added that last little bit. Under current Education Department standards, racial affinity groups in public schools are permissible and do not Violate Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So, based on our current Department of Education, <laughs> they would say, this is fine. It's fine. There's nothing wrong going here. Everything is backwards. It is opposite day in education land every day because what we say is antithetical to the truth. Such as removing all standards will hurt those uh, underperforming communities because guess what? No standard means you can't fail. And now we see, hey, look, you know, we're going to separate you by race, but it's a good thing. So now you don't have to deal with those white devils. Thank goodness I didn't have to be in class with those white devils all day. Goodness. Oh, and the white people just over there just wallowing in their own whiteness, having to be, oh, I'm so white. I'm so bad. I'm so white. Uh, yeah, this is, I don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, that pretty much summed it up. Literally, it's, I've lost really all hope on, I mean, not that I, I, so look, I went to private Christian schools my whole life, except for college. And that's where I had my, which I'm actually glad for. I got exposed to the left in a very real way and found myself even, (coughs) um, yeah, you can hear (coughs) sometimes I still have a lingering cough when I talk about it, but I even caught uh, a, a little, the, uh, just a partial case of the lefties, uh, you know, the virus, viral infection that gets so many of our college students for a little bit, but I eventually, my immune system fought it off and uh, I came to my senses uh, to be, you know, a conservative and back to myself. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, but I, so I, first of all, already planned just for the educational standards because I, from, from going to private schools, I was pushed way harder and I was way better off going into secondary education or I guess a higher education uh, at the university level and was uh, was far and away ahead of so many kids because guess what? There was no, the standards were so, the bar was so low and they get to college and then they don't know how, they don't, they, they struggle really hard their first year or so because they have to basically figure stuff out because they haven't had their, their brains haven't been exercised for a, the last two years of high school. And so, I mean, I already planned on trying to send my kid to private schools anyways, probably even private Christian schools to uh, continue to espouse the values that I believe uh, that I hold and I want to instill my family. And so, um, so yeah, I already planned on that. Not like I was going to send my kids to public schools anyways, but uh, I'm definitely not now. And I don't advocate really anybody does at this point until we see some major, we see that pendulum, the pendulum is swung way over here. We need to swing back towards the middle. I'm not even saying, I'm not even saying, look, we need to put Christ in school and stuff. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying we need to teach, school needs to be about teaching kids basic facts and functionalities of all the different uh, liberal arts, if you will. So your math, your science, your reading, all that stuff. Then you need to have foundation in that and then go from there. 
And that, that, especially like elementary school, that's what that is for. And all this crap, psychotic. So it's insane. But uh, yeah, let me know. I'd love to know any and all of your thoughts, uh, where you think uh, I was wrong, maybe even potentially something that I missed, or if there's any more crazy stories, because I know there will be more next week, but this one was just too much. I, I can't even imagine how I would react on the phone if I called and I was like, hey, yeah, and they were just like, oh, sorry, that's a black class. Your daughter's in the white class. I would, this lady had a way better response than I would have had, at least I think, I don't know, where she was like, uh, what did you say? I mean, I, that would also probably be me, and, uh, and then it would probably be a, <laughs> then it would probably be something like, what the heifer? Oh, no, what the forklift? <laughs> Hope you enjoyed my new bleeps, testing out some new bleeps, but anyways, uh, yeah, it would, it would definitely probably turn into a little bit of a bleep fest, um, uh, I'd be blanking a lot on that phone call uh, and not in the sense of losing my train of thought, but in, in terms of you'd have to, it'd be a lot of not, not safe for work talk because, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, first of all, my kid would definitely be pulled out of that school and we're going somewhere else where they don't segregate and where is it happening to? It's in Atlanta of all places, freaking heart of the South down there in Atlanta. Um, which actually I think has an extremely like demographically speaking, I think Atlanta is actually, um, fairly, uh, like it's, it's demographics. It, it has a fairly, uh, high amount of, uh, it's black population is, it's more bre- prevalent black population. Words are freaking hard, right? Um, so that's, that's another crazy thing. It's just like, what the heck? I don't, we're going backwards folks. We are, we are too deep and we are just going backwards. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to do. I, I, I definitely think I, I've been hearing this a lot lately and I've said this, look, the best, a sunlight is the best disinfectant. And this is something I've said where it's like, I believe that's the best cure for bad ideas because, you know, five, five, six years ago, we started hearing about, oh, don't give them platforms. Don't give psychos platforms. And here I am with my platform, you know, you make the judgment call for yourself. But the best way to flesh out, to flesh out bad ideas is to put them to the test, is to put them out there and debunk them, not to try and suppress them and silence them because that only invigorates the holders of said ideas. And so it's not something, that's not how you do it. We're just working backwards against ourselves. So it's kind of insane. So anyways, here we go, race. Black or African American, 51% Atlanta is majority black. That's wild. Holy crap. Yep, okay. Anyways. I, I figured it was like 30, 40%, not 51%. Dang, good for them. All right, yeah, let me know any and all of your thoughts on this or if you've seen any craziness up front. Uh, if you're maybe closer, you're someone in the education system. Is there anything you've seen in concern? And also, uh, where can I send my kids to school in five or 10 years whenever they're going to be old enough to go to school once I have them? Um, because I'm going to need some tips. Uh, I, I hope my school I went to is still a sane in some, some way, shape, or form. Uh, but I just might have to become... I just might be the school. We'll see. Yeah, the middle bedroom. That might be our classroom. All right. But anyways, you can do all that. Leave your feedback, thoughts, whatever. You can do it for the five-star review um, on the podcast app. Email the show. It's the rambling viking at gmail.com. You can text or leave a voicemail at 580-789-9258. And lastly, you can follow the link below to read. Um, oh, crap. I just blanked out. Sorry. 
uh, to leave a voice message, you are capped at a minute. Also, I put all the link. I put the link to the master article, and then from there, you can find all the subsequent articles. Um, just click through the headlines that I read through today. Hope you guys have a PDFG week. Uh, hope, hopefully, um, I don't know what I'm trying to freaking say. This Hanyak. Thanks for listening to this Hanyak. Hope you Hanyaks have a PDFG week. I forgot how to talk right now, so I got to end this before it gets too bad. See you.